0: For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today.
1: All right, welcome back and thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast really appreciate you guys uh, continuing to support us, continuing to listen. Um, Guys, if you get the chance, do us a favor, give us a review, give us a five-star review wherever you listen, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, Google, Um, you know, that stuff helps us out big time. And if you don't mind, um, like us on Facebook and Instagram, that's at Pennsylvania woodsman podcast uh, like us drop us a comment let us know how we're doing guys if you have stuff you'd like to hear about if you have ideas or things you'd like to hear about send them our way we'd love to hear your thoughts on how we can make this show <clears throat> better suited for you guys and you know also if there's things that you uh, you'd like to share if you got a story you've got uh, experiences that would be a great fit you know send us a message and we'd love to talk about those things with you. And, you know, this week's episode is a little bit different than what we've been doing. So, you know, if you've listened long enough, you know that I'm very interested in archery hunting and whitetails. And we we try to be as well-rounded in all aspects of of game and game management and, and the species that we hunt here in Pennsylvania. And a lot of it revolves around good, sound science. Uh, good sound research and then high quality hunting strategy and you know we've had a, a great mix of guests come on our show and and talk about that from their experiences as well as the the careers that they might have um, <clears throat> and this week we're doing something a little bit different we are going to talk about what hunting and what the great outdoors is all about in the end and ultimately that's sharing creation And sharing experiences, especially with those who might not get to do it as much. Or in this week's case, sharing it with people who might have never had the opportunity in their lifetime hadn't somebody stepped in and done something great. Um, and, And this week we talk with Jared Renninger, who is the founder and and uh, the, the guy who runs the One Wish Foundation, and this is a nonprofit organization that takes children with life-changing ailments and takes them on once-in-a-lifetime adventures, and it's it's kind of interesting because I've known Jared a long time, and <laughs> Jared is definitely when you meet him, you'd think he is definitely the 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 big tough guy you don't mess with and i'm not taking that away from him he is a big dude and i wouldn't want to mess with him um but he really is a big softy and his desire to give back to children um and 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 kids with and families with with all kinds of issues going on medically it's it makes you stand stand back a little bit and it, at least it did for me it makes me stand back and think about how fortunate i am in my life to have a wonderful wife healthy children and the ability to sit here and talk about hunting and strategy and have the time to go out and try to you know accomplish all my goals in the woods and when you put it in perspective that I, I feel so overly selfish, you know, and I've said it before hunting and your own self and, you know, interest, passion in the outdoors. It can be very selfish. I don't hunt for anybody else other than myself. There, there's not a person on this earth that I hunt for other than me. And that's okay. But I can't let that get in the way of the things that are important in life. And this week it makes me just, realize that giving back and trying to not lose sight of the picture of why we do what we do and why we enjoy what we do um, th- this episode really did it you know if you're uh, and if you're somebody who's easy to tears, um, there- there's some parts of this conversation with Jared that it's a little bit tear-wrenching um, when you when you start to hear the stories of children and the things that have gone on in their life, and uh it's heartwarming so I, i'll i'll let it at that i'll let jared introduce himself and introduce the one wish and let him tell some of these incredible stories and the incredible things that he's going on before we get to that real quick i just want to shout out to little mountain outfitters <clears throat> and if you guys need to upgrade your equipment now is the time to do it we are almost into july guys and that's a lot of the time the calendar that uh, the, the time mark that clicks and people to get stuff rolling and Little Mountain Outfitters can hook you up with a Matthews a Prime a Bear a PSE bow hook you up hook you up with a crossbow you need all the accessories you need from arrows and attachments and so on and so forth not to mention the fact that they are Rambo bike dealers they also are tethered and have all your saddle hunting gear needs and I think it would be well worth your time to go there get suited up for this fall get the equipment that you need and maybe test out some equipment that uh that you've never tried before maybe that's in the saddle hunting thing last thing it's going to be some crunch time before we know it on fall food plots and they also have real world wildlife seed and all the stuff that you need to get an excellent fall food plot established so check them out that's little mountain outfitters in richland pennsylvania and with that, let's get to this episode. All righty. <clears throat> We're live, and I have Jared Renninger on the phone with me, a good friend of mine. I thank you a lot for coming on tonight, Jared. How have you been?
2: Wonderful. 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 Thank
1: you for having me. Yeah, we appreciate it. We, we like to do things um, as broad scale and broad spectrum as possible when it comes to the outdoors and one of the things we've talked about here recently is how often hunters like to help other hunters whether that's just with whitetail hunting strategy or you know just advice or whatever and you take a whole different approach to that for over 10 years now right right so i'm I'm curious and i don't think i ever got the full story or asked you the full story but how did it come that you decided you were going to start the One Wish Foundation? First of all, what is the One Wish Foundation, and and how did that journey begin for you?
2: Uh, One Wish Foundation is an organization of 100 percent volunteers who provide a once in a lifetime outdoor adventure um, for for uh, children with life altering medical and social conditions. Uh, it's, it, it's something that's kind of just happened. Um, well, not just happened. It took about five years, mm. but basically back in 2003, uh, I had gone through some rough stuff. I was vice president of a company and ended up having to leave that scenario. The president and I both left. Um, and I was kind of at the downside of my career um didn't know what to do and then i seen a tv show called extreme makeover home edition it mm-hmm. was very popular back then and they had a family um called the cheese family on there that had a two-week camp for terminally ill kids and i sat there and i started watching it and they came in they fixed the the parents' house up, but then they fixed the camp up, and they kind of explained that. And um, that pretty much changed my life from that point. It kind of pulled at the heartstrings and made me realize that, why am I feeling sorry for myself? I'm pretty fortunate. I've got two healthy children, a son and a, uh, and a girl. Um You know, I'll find another job, Mm -hmm. work this, start another career, do what I got to do. But when I watched that show, I said to my wife, I said, we're sitting here in Fleetwood, Pennsylvania. We're in the middle of Children's Hospital, Philadelphia, Lehigh Valley Hospital, um, Hershey Medical Center, got Danville up to the north. Uh, all have children with wings and I sat there and I was like, I haven't heard of a camp that could do that. And I said to my wife, I was like, we need to do something, but I can't do it for two weeks because I, I can't tell a child that he can't go to camp because uh, he got sick and had treatments and missed camp for this, this year. And mm-hmm. who knows if they're going to make it to the next camp. Uh, so I want to be able to have a camp that's 365 days a year where I can hand a set of keys to a family, no matter what the scenario is. I can get a phone call tonight and say, Hey, you know, we just got out of treatments. We're no problem. Here's the code. Here's the key. Uh, stay as long as you want. It's just a place for them to escape the hospitals, the doctors. Um, the treatments, you know, a lot of these families can't even afford a vacation. Mm. Uh, and now that I've been doing this, I've noticed that, you know, during that process, the home becomes a little bit more of this. Um, and because, you know, the mom usually stops work to take care of the children, uh, a child uh, that may be sick, or the siblings uh, kind of lose out on it. Yeah. Father's working one, two jobs to try to pay the bills and home becomes more of that. How are we going to do this? How are we going to afford this? How are we, we going to get this done when they should be concentrating on the family unit? Mm. And that's, that's very important to me. So I want to bring that family unit back to this so that they have that strength and that support to fight uh, for their for their child. So
1: That's that's big man. Well,
2: yeah, my ultimate goal was to have that ranch. Um to have a thousand plus acre ranch where we can manage for we we could farm it, we can manage it for wildlife and have all the activities that we want and mm-hmm. be able to take the children there. So it took me five years, I have a room here in my basement that I had these big sticky notes that were three foot by four foot or whatever. And for five years, I sat down there and I wrote everything that came to my brain on how I want this to run or how we're going to get there. And it took, like I said, five years and I woke my wife up and I said, Hey, I think I got it. I said, let's start a foundation. Truly 100% um, non-profit, you know, there's a lot of non-profits out there, but not what I consider a true non-profit because I did a lot of research on that stuff and I want it to be a volunteer base. So I want 100% of all the capital to go back to our mission. Um, went and asked a couple buddies and said, you know, here's what we want to do. Are you on board? And... Of course, all the guys that I know are are avid sportsmen and had a bunch of guys say, yep, and guys and gals and my wife and kind of made a go at it. And what we do is we take one or two children out a year on a special one wish. It's their wish. So we actually interview the family and we interview the child and it has to come from the child what they want to do. You know, parents don't have a choice. It's the child's wish. So we have that interview process if they want to go hunting, if they want to go fishing, if they want to go four-wheeling, camping, um, you name it. Anything that has to do with the outdoor life. That's what we want to provide for them.
1: Let me take you back just a little bit, Jared. So, I mean, starting something like that from where you did, that had to come, first of all, came from very humble beginnings, and I'm sure there was a lot of a lot of blood, sweat and tears and some headaches and getting started. I mean, can you kind of give me and everybody that's listening to this, a glimpse of what that looked like in the first couple times that you got the opportunity to take kids out? I mean, how did that look from the, from the standpoint of planning, uh, getting enough help, getting enough resources, whether that would be financial or recreational or location or whatever that would be like, how did those cards fall into place in the beginning and and get the ball rolling because as you said you, you kind of you, you had a vision but you didn't exactly know what it looked like and i mean that had to be real stressful at and in a sense but exciting at the same time
2: yeah i mean it's <clears throat> it believe it or not it it, it kind of came together natural
3: mm-hmm.
2: the first child that we took it was one of those things where i announced that you know this is what we're going to do you uh, know here's our board. I'm going to go out and do you know, as many speaking engagements as I can to spread the word. Uh, we're going to have a fundraiser now because now that we're a 501c3, we can go out and fundraise and we can spread our word that way. Um, but right after we had our meeting for the board and I got a phone call um, from, a, from a gentleman that's in the outdoor industry and he said, "Listen, I just did a speaking thing, and I know what you're doing. And I've got this boy with autism. All he does is want to hunt, hunt, hunt. And uh, you know, I got a good buddy that that has this turkey um, decoy business, and he's a taxidermist, and he has a bunch of property up near, you know, Penn State College in Clearfield, and." we want to take him on a hunt. Do you want to get involved on this one and get your feet wet real quick? You know, by the way, we're doing this next week. (laughs) Sign me up, sign me up. So I go and we go up to Cabela's and I go to meet the parents and the parents are like, well, you're, you're pretty big. And would you mind getting down on your knee to, to meet him? And I was like, not a problem whatsoever. So talk about a learning experience you, you learn a lot especially with the you know whatever these kids are dealing with Till so you learn some of the the food items they may or may not eat or this, this the the processes that they, that they go through uh it's all a learning process and it goes into memory banks and it allows us to help on the next one or the next one you know everything changes um but we actually took him on this turkey hunt, went up there, got him outfitted, bought him all his hunting gear, got him a 410 shotgun, sent a, a film crew along. We filmed it, um, and you can see that on our website. You can see some of the videos on our website or all the videos on our website except the ones that we just had, the last, you know, the last two that aren't posted yet. Um, but it's one of them things where, you know, all of a sudden we – You know, this gentleman's like, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna do the mountain for you." Well, we greatly appreciate that. We we we're planning on on taking care of that, but you know, then we start seeing locals get involved once they hear the story, and different outfitters tend to get a get involved, and Mm -hmm. it kind of it kind of grows from there. We we tend to tell everybody, "We're we're you know, this is a family." Um, that original family that boy just went to, um, his, uh, high school, uh, graduation and mm-hmm. prom or his high school prom. He just went there. So, and you look at him and you know, when he was, when we were there, he's just a tiny guy. And now he's in, in high school and going to his first prom. And we had an event this year, our main fundraiser this year, and he showed up in his, uh, and his tuck, so I had to call him up and we had to embarrass him a little bit. So <laughs> that's
1: fantastic. So did you like you, you mentioned, you know, kids with autism and, and different ailments and stuff. Jared, did you have any exposure in knowing what to expect from some of the things that these kids are going? Because from my perspective, if if you hadn't, that's a major major transition in, in as far as learning how to deal with things like that.
2: Not a single thing. Really? Uh, no. It was one of those things where, hey, let's do it. Let's let's be real people, and I'm sure we'll we'll get through every little bit of it. And so, that little boy. Um, it was probably a year later. We went to the Autism Walk in uh, Reading. And I haven't seen him in over a year, and he came running across the parking lot and grabbed me by the leg. And one thing that I've learned doing all this is I always have a pair of sunglasses now because, you know, I might be uh, 6'6", 290 pounds, but I cry like a a little (laughs) girl. Uh,
1: You're well prepared.
2: Yeah, this young man came up and grabbed me by the leg and said, Jared, I'm walking with you. And I grabbed his hand, and I look at my son and my daughter at the time, and I was like, now you understand why I do this.
3: Yeah. So
2: they kind of, the whole family has stepped up to that point, and that family concept is, it's only growing. I mean, I have a great American family. And now I'm I'm blessed to have an extended family uh, through the One Wish Foundation. So
1: that's that's fantastic, and I'm I'm glad to hear because I'm sure there's many things that have occurred that have um, made has has caused some growth within your own immediate family. But um, would you mind you know? talking a little bit more about that extended family and what that looks like. I mean, you touched about that a little bit in the hunting community and people who just want to share, but I mean, is there like within the foundation, is there set people that are just regular basis helping you? Like, what does that look like and how do you continue to plan out, um, the, the wonderful things that are you, you're, you're doing on a regular basis?
2: Well, from from an organization standpoint, I have myself and six other directors, uh, my wife included. Uh, TJ Bev is my vice president, and then I have Matt Wolf and Mark Rubaker, uh, Michelle Renninger, my wife. Uh, Matt Mayers, our uh, attorney, that helps out. Uh, Eric Pelko basically just fill in and do some of those duties. But for the most part, I would say year round, it's my wife and I, um, we have our main fundraiser, which we usually have a hundred people help. Um, so I can get volunteers for that. We recently, or over the last couple of years, not only do we take two kids on a special adventure every year, one to two children, Depending on scenarios, I mean, we've had scenarios where it took us four years to get a child out. Okay. We don't forget; we continue. It's all based on their conditions at the point. At that point, mm. then we have our Operation Go Fish, which we just had, uh, where we invite you know up to a hundred people, um, families from Pediatric Cancer Foundation in Lehigh Valley. Where we might, you know, they asked me the one time, like, how many children do you want to cater to? And I was like, well, I put 600 fish in, ranging from 16 to 24 inches. I said, how many families up to, you know, this year are in the program uh, or just started the program? And they said, well, we have 60 children in the program. I said, invite them all. I invite wow. them all, their, their families and everything. And what we do is we take them and we row we them to fish. A lot of them haven't fished or never fished in their lives. Uh, this past year we had, a, a uh, 18 month old. this boy was sharp, has brain cancer and he caught a 28 inch, seven, almost seven pound trap this year. Wow. So How long it, it, have you
1: been doing that specifically? Because that's a new one for me as far as knowing the stuff you guys have been up to.
2: Well, we had, we had this is the first year back, we had two year hiatus with the whole corona mm-hmm. uh, scenario. Uh, and then we did it two, two years before that. Okay. And then our second program, which we started for our, our veterans is we take 36 veterans on a uh, organized bird dog hunt. It's called Operation Bird Dog. Um, We have about 20 different handlers with their pointers and we take 36 vets on an organized pheasant hunt where I put about 400 pheasants out at a local farm in Marchtown and we go out and we have a day, uh, a full day of entertainment and food and so forth for our veterans, just for our way of saying thank you to that to that order, to that group of people. So,
1: wow! Tell me a little bit more about the fundraising event. You said you do an annual event. What does that look like?
2: Crazy! Crazy. That's what it looks like. <laughs> it, uh, you know, the gray hair and my, my, I shaved my head to get rid of. It. <laughs> But that's usually where all that came from and my daughter. Um, <laughs> but uh, the biggest thing that we do is we start every, I think we start around January, December, January, and we start with our committees. And, uh, this year we had 987 people at the Hamburg Fieldhouse. Wow. Uh, what is it? It's a, it's a, it's, it's a fun night that goes very quick you're there for six hours. We start at three o'clock and we go to nine and it goes by in a blink of an eye. And we have um, entertainment. My, my vice president, TJ was, uh, he, he does some country singing. He was down in Nashville as a court recording artist. So he takes over during our dinner. Um, but we have raffle prizes, 50-50s, guns, bows, you name it, we have it. We probably have somewhere around, this year I think we had about $70,000, 75000 worth of product wow. um, that was available. And we raised uh, a little over 90000 uh, after paying for everything, so net-net that's what helps keep us going that's what helps pay for our two programs grams of um, operation bird dog and operation go fish as well as the two one to two families we take out and then what we haven't talked about is you know that uh, initial goal that i had whatever's kind of left over whatever we need goes into a ranch account so that someday That whole concept of the ranch, um, would come to, will come to fruition. Hopefully I'm still alive at that point. Um, but I tell everybody it's a, you know, we need a thousand plus acres because in order to put a sanctuary in the middle and, and build out your infrastructure, your food plots around that, to be able to allow some of these kids to do some hunting, uh, we need to do it the right way. So, um. And the cost of doing that is, you know, a lot of people don't kind of comprehend how much that costs. And I've looked at a couple properties and you're looking at 3 million plus, um, for the property. And then to put the cabins and, and so forth on it, you know, we want to have eight, eight individually themed log cabins with all the different animals of the state of Pennsylvania. Okay. So, um, that process is going to cost some capital and, you know, at some, at some point, you know, we'll get there. Uh, I would say property wise we're a little over a third of the way there. And if you would have told me that 10 years ago, I probably would have laughed at it and said, that's, that's, you know, I would have told people that's just a wild dream.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: That's in reality, that's my one wish. Okay. Is to have that do i think it'll become fruition i i sure hope it they will i think my wife and my family if i'm no longer here will probably continue that process and i think if the people that stay involved that i got involved there they they know where i stand uh with a lot of that so um, i'm sure that the dream will continue
1: well, thank you for sharing all that with us. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd be curious, in in 10 years' time, you've had, you know, a, a lot of really cool experiences um, taking families, meeting people, um, relationships with the people that you met, and, and other people within the outdoor community. Um, you know, as we sit here this evening chatting about this, is there anything that comes to your mind that just resonates with you over the past 10 years, or a couple things that, like, just like those things you just love to share with people.
2: Every single moment to be quite honest. Um we've taken kids on turkey hunts, we've taken kids swimming with the dolphins down in the Florida Keys, we've taken them fishing in the in the Florida Keys. Uh we've gone deer hunting in Texas, we've gone for elk here in Pennsylvania. Wow. Uh, We've done just about everything you can think of. We even took a child bass fishing on Jimmy Houston's uh, private 700 acre bass lake in Oklahoma.
1: Wow! So
2: the nice part about it is, and, and I try to explain this to people that are not in the outdoor industry. And Mitchell, I know you, 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 you're, that blood runs through you too. It's there's there's a brotherhood in the outdoor industry. Certainly, it's how can I say it's contagious. The biggest thing is you know, like we went to New York, all right. So a good buddy of mine um, up there, um, Mount Hollow Game Calls. Mm-hmm. I called I called him up and I said, "I have this boy that that you know is in remission has brain cancer." Um and I'd like to, he wants to go turkey hunting, and I said, you know, and he's, and and this gentleman is actually, um, Ken Hamels, he's a pastor up in in New York as well, and he's like, I'd love to have you up, he goes, I I can't guarantee a turkey, I was like, I know, I said, we don't guarantee anything, it's more about the experience, Mm -hmm. to to teach them about what they're doing, teach them about the outdoors, um, bring the families into the outdoors, let them know why we do this, the conservation side of everything, uh, and why it's important for, for hunters to be hunters. Uh, And what our, what our goal is just isn't to, to kill animals. Uh, it's also to, you know, provide food for your table, for your families or, uh, help with the natural um, processes in nature. Uh, we are part of the food chain and we have to continue to help maintain in order to keep a healthy species. And to be able to share that with families is incredible. So here we are in New York and we get up there and we're, we're going through, you know, coming, coming through the town and... Uh, I'll step up one, step back one space. There was a, you know, I tried to, to get a, get rooms for us up there, you know, and obviously there's not a whole lot of hotel rooms when you're up against the, the Adirondacks. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ken, Ken's like, well, let, let me give a friend, a buddy of mine owns a gas station out there and, you know, let's see what he can do. Well, next thing you know, we have a log cabin on a nice stream in the middle of nowhere. And we had the family could stay there and we stayed, you know, my staff that goes along stays in the, in the RV and I'm like, perfect. This works out good. And we're driving through, or getting to town and I see five long beards in this field and, <laughs> and everybody's like, well, we don't know where we're hunting yet. We got to go out and do some scouting. And I was like, well, tell me who owns the property by the rental place. Well, oh, you're never going to get on that property. And I was like, well how about you try me? So we went back to the gentleman's business that he had and started to explain our story. And I could see a a tear in his eye. And I'm like, I'm thinking in the back of my head, well, this is a done deal. And he allows us to hunt. We're probably, you know, we shake hands, say, thank you, we'll see you in the morning, that type of thing. And uh, we get no 10 minutes outside of his his place and he asked he, he calls back and he said my wife and I would like to invite your whole crew over to dinner and I was like "Wow!" I, I said man, I said sir I said there's nine of us that's fine we're going to throw some steaks on the grill and we've got plenty of uh, food and drinks and stuff and you, there's a reason why we want to talk to you so we proceed we take the family over there, introduce them and the day that, you know, this day was the day that he lost his daughter to cancer one year ago. No way. And it just so happens we walked in on that day. So he also lost his wife to cancer, and his daughter started a nonprofit called Help Sammy Kick Cancer. Hmm. And. They started that 501c3, but they didn't have directions, and he didn't know what he wanted to do for families or what he wanted to do with the money that she had raised. And it's been over a year. Well, it's been a year since her death. And we sat there and we talked, and um, I gave them a vision, which was my vision, and they continued and they ran with it. They have somewhere between three 400 acres. They ended up buying another 200 acre farm. They took the old farmhouse. They have um, converted that and made it just simply gorgeous to allow families who have cancer to come there and escape just to stay there. They can go on the property, take the golf carts around. They They have a maple syrup plant there for them you name it, it's just a place where they can actually hand a set of keys to people uh, to families to get away mm. just to escape and I'm like you took my ideas and you ran with it and it's called dreaming tree ranch and it's by helps help Sammy kick cancer and the Curtis's are some incredible people Um. And they basically told me that, you know, this is your, this is your one wish ranch in New York. So that whenever we could utilize it, we are more than welcome to, to have the keys to that ranch, which is kind of awesome. Mm. So in, in saying that, you know, here we are, we get this place to hunt. You know, we got another place to hunt. By the end of the second day, everybody in this town, Potsdam, knows who we are, what we're doing there. And next thing you know, we're getting phone calls. Hey, we got this farm open. Hey, we just saw birds over here. You know, old man Willis or whatever, you know, who doesn't like anybody hunting, you're more than welcome to go. You know, so when next thing you know, we have all these different people that came in and said, you know, you can come here, you can do this, you can do that. I ended up, we, we ended up having a picnic for, um his congregation uh, which usually needed at his house just a small congregation and all those folks you know made food and did this and it was just it was just amazing how a local community in the middle of nowhere in Potsdam, New York came together thanks obviously uh thanks to Ken and to bring them together and we ended up you know we took this boy up there and we ended up shooting two long beards that were just Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And had two, um, both of those mounted for the child from the taxidermist up there that actually helped hunt with us. So, okay. Uh, we had guys all over the state looking for birds and, and reporting back. And it's like, you know, because I, I told Ken, I said, just so you know, I mean, I don't want to put any pressure on you. Um, but we, we're, we're batting a thousand. Okay. We. So if you can't find any birds for us, I, I don't want that to, you know, jokingly, I don't want that to be on your conscience or anything like that, but we're batting a 1,000. And every, you know, the first, the first morning we didn't get it done, and he, and he's getting, I could see it in his face. I said, well, you know, nine, 9, 10 isn't bad, I guess. But, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. anyway, we ended up getting it done, and, yeah, that was one good story, and like I said, we we got hundreds of them—just um, little single things—and to have these families come back, and like I said about the the, the first the first child that we took, Turkey hunting, mm-hmm. um he, he and his family help us every year. They're part of our staff.
3: You yeah,
2: know? Uh, we had another girl who. Uh, uh hard to talk about but we had another girl who who we lost who kind of became my second daughter you know uh, my wife and my daughter would talk to her on facetime all the time and it took us four years to get her out and you know, we go down there you know to figure out what she wanted to do and her dad's like, oh, maybe we should do like a shed hunting or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, well, Jocelyn, I said, what, what do you want to do? She goes, I want to shoot a big buck. I was like, well, one for shooting a big buck, one for shed hunting. Uh, and I guess I'm going to have to be the deciding vote. And guess what, Jocelyn, we're going to go shoot a big buck. Sorry, <laughs> dad. <laughs> I said, because that's, and she's like, well, where did you come up with that? She goes. I just want. I've seen it on TV, and I want to do it. Nice.
1: And how old? How old was she?
2: She was. I think she was sixteen when we did it.
1: Okay.
2: But she's been a chop since birth. Mm. Uh, She weighed about forty some pounds Mm. and was tiny You would never. You would have thought she was just by the looks, maybe uh, six or seven, Mm. you know, Uh, went through a lot of stuff. She, but when we met her, she hadn't been eating any solid food for the last five years. Um, Go through a feeding pack, do all that kinds of stuff. And finally, after so many years, it's like, you know, her, her, her situation is in, getting any better. And it's about time to start doing things for, um, so we got the privilege to do that. So planning, as far as planning, it's tough. I mean, we, at that point I'm on the phone with the mom and the dad and saying, listen, I need you to contact. Here's a contact number for a hospital down in, uh, Texas. Um, they're aware of the situation. They just don't know the details. I need you to contact them so that your doctors here in Philadelphia can fill them in on her medical condition and get them up to speed in mm-hmm. case there's any, any type of an emergency. Um, because in Texas, you're kind of far away from everything. I had a uh, medevac on standby during the time we were there, That in case we needed to call in a medevac to the ranch. Uh, that we could get get her immediate help uh, right away. So we went to we went out to Texas and she ended up there was a cri- a crippled deer, an injured deer that came in and the, the ranch owner was like, eh, why don't you shoot that?" So she got a practice shot on the big one. So she was able to shoot that and then she ended up getting a, a much larger one you now two days later so really cool. why they were while we were down there they were waiting to do their studies uh they do their studies animal studies through by helicopter uh-huh. so it looked like the 18 coming in one day and ended up taking her up in the helicopter to help count animals that were on the ranch wow uh, two two thousand acre fenced in ranch and she was able to go up there and and help them with their studies as well so that's fantastic incredible.
1: incredible is right and uh, ex- experiences that last a lifetime and uh, memories for families as as well as you I mean it's 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 quite overwhelming when you start going into the detail and i I never would have thought about it from the perspective of the 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 planning you have to do outside of just planning an event like the the medical side of things I mean obviously that you say that and it it's well, yeah, that makes sense, but I never would have thought of it, and the the level of detail in, in that information.
2: Yeah, we have to, you know, what's one of the things that I do is, um, well, I had the vision, you know, so that vision was in my head, and I had to write it on the wall just so that my wife could understand what was going on in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, she still says that she has no clue what's going on in my head, but uh, I still love her for that, but... <laughs> It's one of those things where, you know, you, you almost have to think of every possible scenario. And when we go and set up a trip, you know, one of the things that I do is I talk to the family and I was like, listen, I said, if you were to open up your refrigerator at home on a daily basis or, you know, say on a, on a treat, <laughs> you know, if you wanted some type of different that, you know, what, what are the, what's the foods that you like that, you, know, you don't really can't afford or you don't do often. You know, that's a treat for your family. Or what are the common things that, you know, as far as drink and food that you have? I said, because when we go on these trips, I want to be, I want them to be able to open up the fridge and say, this is home.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, oh, they got the, they got the yoo or what, you know, you name it. Whatever mm-hmm. they want is in the refrigerator. So what we end up doing is I send a staff down ahead of time. They do all the shopping the day before and they go in to check the facilities because, yeah, you can look at a facility and say, hey, it looks pretty nice. But, you know, we try to do everything as high class as we possibly can. Okay. So I don't want to go down somewhere and next thing you know, this place is a dump because now that person's going to have to go find other accommodations for us because they know what my expectations are. Okay. It's got to be a, you know, we – or, or it's in our mission statement that it's a once in a lifetime outdoor adventure, so we have to provide that, you know. And that that comes with accommodations, that comes with service, that comes with people. And you know, it's it's a little tough in the beginning because these people don't really understand why we're doing this, or we're flying down and do this, and we're taking them here, and we take, and then they go and they see this, you know, 6'6", 290 hundred and ninety pound dude get out and say. Um, we're doing what with him and then most of my other staff are all big guys too and they're like (laughs) I always break the ice and say get your answers or get your questions out so I can give you answers right now um, before we go any further every time we we, we meet I I said I don't want that to be a hindrance to you to be able to, to, to let loose and enjoy yourself because we're here for your family that's it all we are here. We're we're going to be on the outside. It's for you. I want you to focus on that family yeah? We're just around the outside. That if you ever need something, we'll come in and help. Okay, but it's it's, it's you guys that are going to put it together for yourselves. Do
1: the uh, the the kids that you've been able to experience? Are, do most of them have some kind of interest or background? in the outdoors prior to coming on, or have you taken out some kids who have absolutely zero exposure and you're showing them a whole new world in the great outdoors?
2: Well, we'll go back to Jocelyn. So Jocelyn in Texas, um, shot her first rifle in Texas. Uh, the owner of the ranch bought her a rifle. Mm. Okay. Had it sighted in, had a, Scope put on it, everything. That was her first time shooting. And we went to the ranch the first day, or the range the first day, and said, here, we're gonna teach you how to shoot, you know. Obviously, if you wanna go hunting, you're gonna have to shoot a weapon. Mm -hmm. Let's teach you the proper way of doing that. You know, and the parents were there. Everybody's there, so they're getting to learn right alongside of her. Um, The father had done some hunting before, but never, never has. And it was always something she wanted to do so went to the driving her the the, uh the uh, range got her all sighted in and she did the rest and you know just like my father did and i've done to i've done to my my daughter uh we she got her face paint on the first uh on the first deer so uh, she wasn't too keen on that (laughs) We made sure that the, uh, sanitary wipes were there because, you know, who knows with her condition and everything, mm-hmm. um, we got her cleaned up and everything right away and made sure that we're, we were being safe. Um, but yeah, she got to experience everything. She got to experience uh, us actually butchering, uh, uh processing the, the meat and she got, well, unfortunately she got to taste it. She couldn't swallow, but she could taste it. Mm. Uh, and, and it was one of those things, and unfortunately, you know, two years later we lost her. And it's probably one of the toughest things that I deal with, because um, it's the third child we lost. Mm. It's it's one of those things where that's it's family. Yeah. You know? Um. With her, you know, then you find out that uh, she contacted majority of our sponsors to
1: thank them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Um, you know, it's it's cool that you're, you're, first of all, it's fantastic. It's, it's hunters helping hunters. It's, it's people helping people, um, that, uh, would be willing to do that. And then to, to have that, that then see that, uh, uh, basically come, all together with, uh, Hey, that, that was a fantastic trip. Uh, you know, really cool. Uh, really cool. You know, one of the things, Jared, that I, th- I think I struggle with, and I had this conversation with you the last time that we spoke, um, you know, it was at the end of, uh, my, the best hunting season I ever had in my life. You know, I, I harvested the, 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 the best deer I've, I've ever harvested. I've, you know, had you know awesome encounters and, and great hunting experiences with friends and family and you know, year in and year out, and I feel like this this network and the people on this network and talking and podcasting, you know, we get so gung ho and and just absolutely ate up with uh, whatever it is in the outdoors we're we're following. I mean, I'm I'm as much into whitetails and archery hunting as as anybody, and you know, we, we've all got our little niche, and I think it's so easy. To get caught up in that and miss the big picture in so many cases, and uh, y- you know, you know, you're a great example because I know you love to go out and enjoy creation and hunt yourself, but that that's taken a whole different look over the past ten years for you. I mean, can can you enlighten me, somebody who's who's sitting back just thinking about how to kill a mature buck this fall? Uh, enlighten me that transition what's been like for you from watching uh your hunting career and then what that transitioned to and giving back i guess
2: um it, it i think what it does is it makes you appreciate it even more if i had a choice of don't get me wrong if there's a if there's a 200-inch whitetail that happens to wander by when I'm in my archery stand, I, I would be tickled pink to mm-hmm. be able to, to harvest such an animal. But if I had one of those kids sitting alongside of me, it wouldn't even be a second thought. Mm. I would, They're shooting it, not me. Because I'm 53 years old, Hopefully, they're going to live forever, and they can tell the story a lot more times than I'll be able to mm. in their lifetime. So, okay. to me, it's you know that's just being able to provide my years of experience mm. and knowledge to somebody else. Uh, sort of like being able to pass that down to my daughter. My son does not hunt. My my son refuses on my daughter is my my hunter we've shot or she has shot you know probably six seven long bigger than anything i've shot <laughs> and to me it's just to be able to be able to put her in that place and to to call that that animal in and then to watch their face priceless mm-hmm. um So, I mean, don't get me wrong. It still runs through my my blood. I still love hunting. Absolutely. Uh, I'll do what I can, you know, when I can, but if I've got to get a child out or do something like that, then, you know, my experiences go on the the back burner. I want to make sure that I provide that for somebody else.
1: Your experiences Um, are still in the outdoors. It's just a whole different aspect of what most of us are used to when we're going out in the outdoors and – you know speaking just you know listening to what you've had to say it's it's probably way better than most of the experiences we have and when it's because hunting is hunting is a very it can be a very selfish thing i mean let's face it um i don't hunt for anybody else on this on the face of this earth i don't hunt for you i don't hunt for my my family now my family gets to obviously um enjoy the enjoy the harvest but um the, the act of, of hunting and doing those things I do selfishly for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. and I try, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again on, in, in my heart, my, my priorities are God and my family and my friends and my career and my finances. And somewhere after all of that stuff, then comes my interests and stuff. Now I'm, I'm not saying I do the best job of living that out to a T. You know, it's it's very hard to put that in act, but those that's you know kind of the order that I would want to do that. And I I struggle to make sure that I don't put hunting and my personal interests ahead of those things. And the one wish in everything you guys have done, it's a different spin on giving back through the outdoors and i have i've always really loved your your mission and the stuff you did i really appreciate getting to hear more about it in much greater detail than i had in the past
2: Mm -hmm. um it's you know what can i say if i let's put it this way i i don't go on every trip um Sometimes it's one of those things that I, sh- I sh- probably should because of those scenarios where something goes wrong. Uh, they're on the phone with me anyway, saying, what's going to happen? What's, you know, what do I do? You know, well, calm down. Just let's use common sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get this together. But I try to send one of our staff, you know, a different staff person along on each trip. I always like to have a couple constants. I also take a, a camera guy. So I like to have people that have been on adventures with me to go on adventures just mm-hmm. because they know that when it comes to that adventure, I'm like the CEO of the biggest company in the country. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I do. I have to make sure that every single thing gets done in the in what I can what I perceive as a trip of a lifetime. Okay? And you got to constantly tell people, okay, we're here, okay. It's supposed to be their trip of a lifetime, so let's take care of every single thing we can and let's think about what's going to happen next and three scenarios for it you know i said it's something where yes you know usually what we do is we have a you know if we're staying at cabins we'll have a cabin where the family stays i have a cabin where our staff stays and we always do a download at night and say okay well this is what we did this is what we could do better this is what we have to pay attention to tomorrow okay um so there, it's a, it's an ongoing process, but it's it's you're doing it for a, a a goal that is the most incredible feeling that you could possibly have. Mm-hmm. So I try to bring that extra person, that new person, on all these trips because once I send them on a trip, I don't have to worry about the commitment to the One Wish Foundation from that point on.
1: Right
2: it will tear their heartstrings apart watching the entire process unfold even though it seems like a job when they're there but they also get to enjoy Mm -hmm. and a lot of my staff you know one will will connect with the you know the siblings one will connect with the the wife and the other one will connect with the parents and one will connect with the child that we're there for. And it's kind of one of them things where you know, we were introducing them to a support staff, we're, we're there now, you are part of our family, like it or not. So if you choose to stay involved and stay in touch with us, we're there, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And when you start to do those type of things, that's why we have You know, we have our main event. So we have our other, our fishing rodeo and our fishing rodeos for Operation Go Fish. That's for all the kids that went on events. That's for all the kids that we have applications for. And it's for kids that have cancer at the, that that are involved with the Lehigh Valley Pediatric Cancer Foundation. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is we're just building a network of individuals. Um, that that could be potentially support staff going forward. Um, you know, I have a quick story on our veteran side. You know, we have we've done this veteran thing, and we do it for a lot of guys with PTSD. And I took a gentleman from Coachville, uh, VA, brought him along. You know, and I tell everybody, I said, "Listen, I, I you know I'm not military, so I'm not i I'm not." I'm not in that brotherhood, but I'm in the brotherhood of the outdoor industry, the hunting industry. Uh, Pennsylvanians are crazy in the hunting industry. We probably got the biggest army out there, you know, from the state of Pennsylvania, our orange army. For sure. uh, I went with this gentleman. We took him out, and I said, "Listen, if you ever have a problem, give me a call." You know, I'm I'm not a brother, but I'm a person that can listen. And whether you like it or not, you're part of my family. So one night I remember getting a phone call and I answered the phone. I was like, you know, Hey Chris, what's going on? He goes, Hey, i just thank you for picking up your phone. You're the seventh person I called and I wanted to say goodbye to somebody. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You you know, it's over now. They took my daughter. He was going through a nasty divorce. His wife's parents are, were well-to-do and pretty much made it impossible for him. You know what I mean? And mm. took his daughter away from him, and he's like, yeah, that's it. I'm done. Seven tours, this, this guy did, for the Marines. And he was checking out. And I was like, you're, you're not checking out yet? I said, I'm on my way down. I said, I'm literally in my truck, and I'm – turning around and I'm heading towards Coatesville. Give me your address, send me your address, blah, blah, blah. I called my wife, Michelle, and I said, hey, babe, um, I'm on my way to Coatesville. For what? I said, I just got a phone call from one of our military guys. And, uh, he's ready to pull his head off, and I need to do something. I don't know what I'm doing. She goes, you're not medically approved to do that? And I was like, no, but I'm a human. Yeah. And and right now, that's all he needs. And if I can do anything, I said, I want to try. So I called him back because she's panicking now. <laughs> I was a little nervous too, and I was like, I said, Chris, I said, need you to do me a favor. I knew he had a pit bull. I said, the pit bull's got to go in a room, and I want every weapon you have. You know, I want it. I want them cleared, and I want them put away before I get out there. I said that. He goes, there already are. I said, he goes, I was supposed to go to Colorado to go fly fishing with a with a buddy of mine that I was in the service with. I said, well, I'm coming down there to help you pack and we're going to get you on that flight. So I went down, took him out the, well, long story short, I'm five miles away from this place and he's walking alongside the road, walking towards me because he knew where I was coming and he's like, I didn't want you to get lost coming into Coatesville. So I figured I'd meet you out here somewhere. And I'm like, okay.
3: Mm.
2: And he, I mean, he hoofed at five miles in a long, in a, in a short time frame. So I, we ended up going out to dinner, grabbing something to eat. We talked about a situation. I got him to the point where, you know, Hey, there's other things that are more important and at some point in time, when your daughter grows a little bit older, um she's going to want to know about you. Okay, so what I want you to do, and we went to the store, we bought him a diary. And I was like, every time you try to contact your daughter, every time uh, you think about her, I want you to put your thoughts down. I want you to put in here every time you send a letter, you know, the date of the letter you sent, you name it, everything. I want you to to explain to her your fishing trips, your fly fishing adventures, your hunting adventures, and all the things you do. I want her, I want her to know her father. And that one day when she calls and finds you, uh, it may be, you know, 20 years later, I want you to be able to hand that diary to her prior to saying a word. Or send it to her and say, I want you to read this first and then decide whether or not you want to meet. And I was like, then that's going to take all the negatives she was told all her life and put it in a, dis- a different perspective. So then she actually knows who her father is. Yeah. And that kind of like settled him down. I was like, now we're going to pack your stuff, which, you know, how the, the Marines, they, he had everything squared up, ready to go all lined up mm. and organized in certain a certain way and I was like, Okay, well I'm gonna take you to your mom's house now. Because you didn't call my mom. I said, Yes, I did. <laughs> and you're going, we're gonna take you there, you're gonna stay, and she's gonna take you to the airport in the morning and you are gonna go on that fishing trip. And uh it's it's kinda of cool. I don't you yeah, I think right now uh, he was a guide out there. He was a fly fishing guide, and he was, and he then he guided in Montana. Now I think he's Alaska. he was guiding for for moose hunts and stuff like that in Alaska. But every once in a while, I get a phone call and say, "Thanks for saving my life, brother."
1: <laughs> that's awesome, and that's something you oh. don't get from. That's uh, something way bigger than than getting out of the uh, the strategy of food plots and stand preparation and stuff like that. It's uh, it's way bigger than that. And I think it, at the heart of it, that's why we all do it. Jared. Um, I, uh, I really appreciate you, uh, you coming on and sharing these stories with us. You know, I want to be mindful of your time and I don't want to cut you off at the same time. Is there anything um, that would be just, I guess, outside of my mind frame of your foundation that uh, you'd like to share, whether that's um, another another story, another experience, uh, ways that people can reach out, help, things like that. Is, is there anything in in that aspect that comes to mind you'd like to share with us?
2: Well, first thing, you don't have to worry about my time. I could talk your ear off for the next <laughs> 10 hours.
1: you, know, you got to remember. Uh, no, I'm no, no, no. Okay, let me, let me revert that.
2: I want to be mindful wanna... of Michelle's time,
1: okay, because she wants her <laughs> husband back.
2: Nah, she'll be asleep before you know it, anyway. So, (laughs) Uh, but no, it's it's you know, I. uh, How do you find out about us? We're on Facebook, uh, One Wish Foundation. We have our own website, www.onewishfoundation.org. Like I said, all the videos and, and and pictures, and there's different things that on that, that you can kind of get a little bit more information about what we do. There's, you know, I, I, one of the important things is to be able to talk about it. You know, that word of mouth is, is powerful. Uh, it's the only way we got to where we are now. So I, when I go out and I probably do 50 plus speaking engagements every year, um, one thing I always tell everybody is like, listen, you know, if you would have told me 10 years ago when I started this that we'd have, you know, problems getting applications, I'd like—I tell you, you've got to be crazy. Not with all where we're situated, with all these hospitals around us. But they use this little thing called HIPAA, which I don't think it is anything with that. I just think, I think we're doing a little, you know, political injustice because we're not big enough to deal with a lot of big organizations. Uh, because we always ask that, you know, just spread the word about us, and it's up to the family to go fill out an application, uh, which there's an application button on our website. Yeah. All we're doing is trying to spread the word. But they, you know, I've sent them postcards and, you know, of our brochure and haven't gotten anywhere. So I always tell everybody that if you know a family that has a child with life-altering medical or social conditions, um please have them go on and fill out an application um, if we don't choose them for one of the two slots which to be quite honest with you we used to do And you know, we did our first child had autism now when we look through the different applications it's the kids that you know may not be here next year we kind of elevated those kids mm. to the top so those are the ones we want to get out on a trip you know what i mean mm-hmm. The rest of them, we never, we never get rid of an application. They're invited to our, our operation, Go Fish. And as soon as we have a ranch, they'll be eligible regardless of how old the child is at this point. They'll be available to, to grab a set of keys and enjoy themselves at the One Wish Ranch. So, it's one of those things where it's it gives you a ticket forever, you know? Um, that's, how, that's how I look at it. I mean, you know, we've had some kids that are on mission and we had had some kids that, that beat it and we had some kids that lost it. So it's, you know, like I said, it's, once you become part of the family, you're a family, mm. you know, you, you can't choose to get out if you wanted to, because that's <laughs> just, um, but no, that's, that's probably our biggest thing is, you know, spread the word, tell those families that could utilize, uh, what we do, um, that's probably the one of the biggest parts we've had a lot of people say well hey you know i know this person i know this person I've, I've gone through a lot of that you know we've gone to the archer trade association show and the shot show for years i've developed relationship with vendors we buy raven crossbows for example direct from raven cheaper than probably what cabela's buys for
1: Okay.
3: That
2: we can use for our kids, you know, because if a kid wants to go archery hunting, we're going to probably use a raven. Uh, I know we're going to use a raven. Um, and that's our official crossbow, of the One Wish Foundation now. You know, so we get to use that for the child, allow them to practice before we go on a hunt. And then at the end of the hunt, we say, no, nope, that's yours now. You know, it's, it's yours to keep. It's part mm. of your... It's part of your uh, new tradition, I should say, okay? Um, because we want them to continue to do it if, as long as they can, you know? Um, so we do a lot of stuff with different vendors. You know, I buy a lot of product from that, but then I also use those products for our fundraising events. So if I can go and they're saving me a 1000 bucks on a bow, when I go and auction that up, off, we just made an extra $1,000. Right. Toward so we got a lot of that if there's some, you know, I also tell everybody if you know anybody with any other industries that we may not be working with, that we can utilize their product or their services. Please share, share our name. Uh, any type of uh, outfitters that are out there. Uh, the only, the hardest thing I have with outfitters, they, you know, I've had phone calls say, Hey, I've got a cow elk available for you. Uh, I look for my applications and if they don't, say that they want to hunt for a cow elk I can't go because it's not my wish mm-hmm. I'm not going to say okay well here's the menu here's what you can pick from that's not how we do it and I try to explain that to some of those folks and they don't quite get it but if you can can guarantee me that cow hunt cow hunt and it may not come for six years then perfect put us on the list because I want to put it in our database so that I look it up and they say, okay, well, if we want to shoot this, boom, I got it already taken care of. I make a phone call. We get it set up. Now We have a gentleman um, here in Pennsylvania, uh, Big Five Lodge. I don't know if you ever heard of them outside of Harrisburg. Okay. They have a thousand acre piece of property there with and and it's an immaculate property it's just it's five star top of the notch uh where they have white tails red stag elk and they have some different types of sheep and stuff Mm -hmm. fallow, fallow deer uh on their property they actually manage the wildlife they have another farm where they actually uh raise the animals and then release them on this thousand acre property but we tend to use them for the kids that have problems or would have major problems hunting those animals that they want that they request you know so we have taken two two boys there so far to hunt elk and the reason being is you know the one with has cancer and lost eyesight and one and is kind of like almost legally blind in the other. Well, if you're going to take them into New Mexico to go elk oh, that's going to be difficult to get that child around because he can't see correctly and so forth and so on. And I actually, for that hunt, bought a night vision uh, adapter to our to the scope so that not to shoot him at night, obviously, but mm-hmm. to be able to see a screen That's bigger than his cell phone. That has the picture and and shows the crosshairs, so that not only we can see where he's aiming, but he can see a better picture than trying to see through a scope. So we try to adapt it for whatever the child, you know, the situation with the child. Um, And the other child couldn't, you know, one of those that you couldn't get around. You know what I mean? You couldn't get so that that particular lodge now becomes an asset for us to still help provide that experience. And for the most part, these kids don't realize they're in a, you're still hunting. It's it's a thousand acres. Uh, so, technically it's fair chase. You know what I mean? Uh, we're just improving the odds a little bit. Sure. Sure. the, the, The children. But if there's a child that can actually maneuver, we took, we had a child. Um, Seth, uh, had lost his arm in a tractor accident. Okay. And it was reattached. We took him to New Mexico because physically he was capable of doing, you know, anything with his legs. It's just his arm didn't work too well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he shot an elk down, in, down in New Mexico. So we make it happen the other way we can. Uh, I had a lot of people say, oh, well, I'll help you to go on the hunts and do it. Well, you know, yes, I appreciate those type of people as well, but I kind of reward the people that help do the other things for us. You know what I mean?
3: Mm
2: -hmm. The people that come out and volunteer their time at the events or come to the bird dog and help stock pheasants or help clean birds or those guys that help do the little things are the ones that eventually I'll say, you know what, we need to take that person on the hunt. You know, I, I don't want to take somebody that just came in and all they want to do is go on the hunts. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's kind of tough being able to judge that. Because, um, you know, it, like it, like in anything, there's a lot of people who want to show up for the for the pitchers. Uh, but they don't realize the work that went in to get to the picture, mm-hmm. you know. So, and and I want to reward the people that actually put some time in, but just don't get the full picture quite yet. And I, those are the people I use throughout our system to bring along to say, now let's make sure we never lose them because we're gonna we're gonna show them what the whole the whole picture comes together in that finale when that child harvests whatever they want to or, or gets to do something they've never done before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's, that's the tough part. But hey, we always use volunteers. If you want to get involved, you know, give us a call. You know, it depends. You know, we're, like I said, we're in Fleetwood. So most of our events are Hamburg, Fleetwood area. I do have some other organizations that have events for us that we go to different areas like Gettysburg and do some of that kind of stuff. Uh, But for the most part, we're home base, you know, right around Fleetwood. Um, But we, like I said, we we could always use the help, you you know, whether that's spreading the word or, you know, trying to get us new sponsors or getting us product for our, our events, I mean, that would be fantastic, you know. Um, that's why I try to tell everybody, like, our sponsors are what are helping make a difference, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? If they, you know, especially this year, I mean, our costs, our costs for food and different services were probably triple than when the last time we had an event. So the sponsors, the extra sponsors we got is what helped bridge that gap. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because you know, the normal year would cost us fifty some thousand for everything, and this year was like seventy five. So you look at it from that standpoint, would have been a heck of a lot more money at the end of the night if we didn't have all those additional costs or if we or if we had an extra sponsor to help participate with that. Sure. But, no, it's, uh, it's been a hell of a ride. Um, it sure it, has, it,
1: and here's to, this is what, you know, if, if you include the the time frame where you had your, we'll call it furlough with uh, COVID, this has been what, this was year 12?
2: Well, we started in 2000. Well, let's put it this way. It's year 10, okay? But, like, I called Operation One Wish 9 this year. It's because we didn't do one year because of COVID. Okay. Okay. We didn't get kids out for two years because of, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why don't you do that? Well, these kids are compromised to begin with. And when it first started happening, we didn't know, we had no idea what it was about. Right. It lasted for two years and we weren't about to put a child in jeopardy. Um, with something that none of us really, I don't think we still know what it is. Um, but it's not up to us to do that. And then we left it in the, the parents' hands and saying, you tell me what you want to do. You know, uh, one of the children who's still battling uh, cancer now, all we did is during COVID, we put a, we, I called up a fishing, uh, paid a fish place. And they actually closed down a stream for, just for us. And he stocked the stream, um, because we weren't sure what the prognosis was for this chap. So it was a quick hitter, got it done, fished with his two brothers, had a good time, uh, and has been through some real garbage here lately, um, but seems to, uh, has a treatment right now, it seems to be working. And eventually maybe we'll take them on that big trip. But right now, it was one of those things where all we did is give the the family a slight break in reality. You know what I mean? Um, And that's more important sometimes when things are so hectic and, and the unknown that the parents are going through and the siblings are like, what's going on with my little brother? Um, you know what? Forget about all that. Let's just go fishing. Yeah. You know, uh, let's just go do something. And you know what? What's awesome is somebody planned it and did everything for us, and we didn't have to do a thing. You know, and that's the biggest thing is there is you just tell us what you want to do, and we'll take care of all the details. All you got to do is pack your bag and reconnect as a family. Mm -hmm. That's the only, that's the only, thing that we ask from you is to tell us what you what you like to do and concentrate on not only the, the, the child that's sick but let's concentrate on all the siblings if there are siblings because they're going through it too yeah you know uh, they may not have the physical ailment but they're experiencing it just like their siblings You know what I mean? They get put on the back burner sometimes, and uh, that's why when we take them, we take the entire family. So very cool.
1: Yep jared i appreciate everything you shared and i'm going to make sure you know when we release this episode we'll uh we'll have you know links and social media posts and you know our, our description will have your website and everything else and uh make sure that you know if somebody listened to this and never heard of the one wish now they did maybe new things will happen so again Absolutely. thank you uh, thank you for your time and thanks for for chatting with us
2: thank you brother